Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name's Chris Vasser, a.k.a. Coach Vass. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have Adam Harvey from Cibolo Steel High School. We're going to discuss a variety of topics, including game planning, self-scout, defending motions, all sorts of fun stuff. Before we get started, I'm going to do some housekeeping. Make sure you follow me at, at Coach Vass and follow the show at MDGA Podcast. Also, for those of you who don't know, my mom was diagnosed with cancer a couple of weeks ago, and I'm raising money for her. You can donate by going to PayPal and sending it to CoachVass at gmail.com or through the cash app, dollar sign Coach Vass. My Venmo was hacked, and I'm having a pretty difficult time getting that reactivated and I'm just in football mode so I'm really not messing with it too much to be quite honest with you if you want to see the live stream that we did a couple weeks ago if you haven't seen it I went for over eight hours and 45 minutes and had guests from all over the country talking a variety of topics had some defense had some offense at the end, we talked about building teams and some of that fun stuff. And so I really appreciate the support. If you want to watch it, it's on my Periscope channel. You can go to at MDGA podcast, and I believe it is the pin tweet. So you can see the link there. Well, without further ado, let's go. Uh, let's go into the episode. Get into it, man. My guest this week is Adam Harvey, DB's coach from Cibolo Steel. Welcome to the program, coach. Appreciate it, Bab. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for everything you do for the game and what you've done the last year is phenomenal. So we appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you, man. So tell us where Cibolo Steel is. Yeah, so we're uh, just north uh, east of San Antonio, right up on the Interstate 35. If you want to go downtown San Antonio to downtown Austin, we're almost in the middle, but a little closer to San Antonio. Gotcha. I love, man, I love both those cities, man. I, I My first AFCA was in San Antonio in 2007. And we were at the Riverwalk, and God, I had a great time. That yeah. A really, really good place. Awesome city. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. I love living here. I've, I've lived here since 2005. And, um, not originally from this area, but, but from Texas and, and uh, this is definitely probably the best part of the state for sure. I live in a, in a, in a better community called New Braunfels. It's a German community um, just north of San Antonio and actually north of Cibolo where I'm working. And I love it, man. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember we talked this offseason. I asked a question about, I think it was around the weekend of the, the big Texas clinic during the summer. And I said, can you uh-huh. even... Can you even break in? I asked a question. I thought it was rhetorical, and the answer was no. And you and a couple, a bunch of other people, like, no, 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 you can, you can, you can. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I, and I think it's probably a, you know even more of a. It used to be an anomaly, I would say. It's it's probably more of a, um, a, a common move now than than a lot of people would think. I'm not saying that they're going outside the state to look for coaches, but shoot, man, you love kids. Um, People are willing to take the risk. And, and I'll say this, too. Uh, with the oil boom as of late, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are leaving education to go into that, that industry. And in Texas, especially in public schools, you uh, 
you have to be in the school system. And so you have to be a school teacher in order to coach. And with those people leaving the industry to go make more money for whatever reason, uh, that's opening up positions for, you know, guys out of state that may want to move in and, and, and do this, especially the young single guys or even they don't have to be young, but single guys in and of itself, they're coming in and, and taking a lot of those positions. So, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. No question. That's great. I, I love to see that they're not um, closing themselves off. And I know there's a lot of great ball coaches in Texas, but it is funny to me to be at a place where you have to teach the coach when I've been at places where the majority of the staff are off campus. Or I, I got I told the story a couple weeks ago that I was given a head coaching job. One of the t- – well, I was, I was given the job or said, do you want the job? We've chosen you. And I said no because they wouldn't even give me a substitute job. They wanted me to be. They wanted me to be on campus, but they didn't want to pay me to be on campus. It was the most crazy thing ever. And the other wild part is, it's one of the top ten richest zip codes in America. So you think that they would want? I, I you think they'd have the money? It was just insane. I was the day before my master's thesis was due. I spent an hour on the phone about with a guy who was trying to recruit me to get into commercial real estate. I'm like, isn't that a nine to five job? Like, doesn't that make coaching football hard? And he's like, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, weird area. So, yeah, no all right, doubt. let's let's get into some of the questions. Sure, man. Um, the first one this week is from Cody Bentley. He's a defensive coordinator and safeties coach at Homer High School in Homer, Michigan. His Twitter handle is at cbentle8. And his question is that he's he's playing a team next week that runs pistol two by two and three by one. And and, and uh, his question is what did what are some of the things that you do against teams that run GT power counter? They'll change it up sometimes and run traditional power with the motion guy, either kicking out or wrapping behind the kickout block. Do you blitz the pullers uh, or front side or both? So I'll take this one first. You're a four, three press quarters team. Um, So I think if you're going to play GT power uh, and counter, the first question you have to ask is well, on, on counter, do you want the quarterback keeping the ball or the back? Uh, if you want the, if you want the, if, if you want the, the quarterback pulling it, uh, my favorite thing to do and, and, and it, figure out where they're going to run it to. Now, if it's the pistol, it's a little more difficult. Uh, but, or you, I mean, you could have it where the three, the three technique side of the field is the sit side. And the one technique side of the boundary is the chase side. But if you can get a bead on where they're going to run it to, you know, charge away from the pullers. Uh, another thing that you could do is you could play some double twos and you could read it. So uh, the end, if the end gets the pulls, he chases flat. And if you're the end away, you know, you go, um, or I'm sorry, the end to the, to where they open to, because we usually read belly or back, but if you're getting pullers, you don't even need to do that. But if you get pulls, go charge the mesh. And then have your backer, which this is the hardest part for me, is when we play this stuff, is usually our backers chase pulls. But if we're playing something where we want to take that end and we want the quarterback to keep the ball, our ends are going to chase. So that backer has to know the guard pulls, you can chase. But if the tackle pulls or the tackle and the guard pulls, you got to sit if we're going to chase it. And that's kind of the game that we play. You know, one of y'all is going to chase, an end's going to chase or sit, the backer's going to chase or sit. But with the pistol, I would find out where it is. I would try and chase it unless the quarterback's a stud. And then I tell you a blitz I really like versus stuff, especially in the pistol. And if you're a four, three quarters team is pinch everybody and bring a guy off each edge. 
because if you do it right and you don't try and cross face, what's going to end up happening is no matter what side they pull from, that end's going to get in the hip pocket of the puller. So the quarterback's going to pull the ball, and then the guy off the edge will take the quarterback. And since you don't know where it's coming from, you do it to both sides, that'll guarantee you'll get what you want. That's really the only call I can think of off the top of my head. And then if you're talking about the jet motion, I would say we don't don't mess around with motion too much. If you're going to motion jet motion a guy in the backfield, we're going to treat it like two backs. So we're just gonna we're gonna do what we would do normally versus two backs. They had a guy, we had a guy. So if they're motioning, I'm I'm guessing they're gonna run the power so away from where he's motioning or to the side he's motioning to. So you could do something where you make a choice blitz call where um if they jet motion, you blitz the guy away from the motion, and then the same deal, that end's gonna charge down inside, he picks off any pullers, then the guy off the edge plays the bounce. Those are the things off the top of my head. I, I coach, I don't know how you feel about defending that. I agree with a lot of things you said there, Bass. I mean, I, I think number one, you dictate who you want the ball to end up in, you know, in their hands. And so whether you're in double twos uh, and sixes, we're a, we're an even front team by uh, out of our base as well. And and you know, when we charge the mesh, it's going to be uh, in a different way, I guess. Each time we, you know, one time if we're blitzing, like you're saying, if we're going to blitz and maybe Tim our sixes into the B gaps and then come off the edge, which I really like that too, because now you're taking away both. Um, you know, you're you're in you're in good position uh, to really clog everything inside and then force everything to bounce. It's not even spilling it; you're just blitzing into what you right. you know normally would spill out of the base. I think um, you could also get your safeties involved. The only thing that I would add is getting your safeties involved, especially with that motion to three by one. When you get to that motion, if you want to run like a, a scroll sky look and then go ahead and blitz that safety off now, you're pretty, you're going to be soft on the back end, so you better have some athletic linebackers. But if you do and you're, you know, able to do that, then just carry two with either your your outside backer, um, you know, if you even want to run more of a nickel look, like a four two five, remove that outside backer pre-snap you know, if you know you're going to get a motion or if you're getting a heavy dose of motion, moving pre-snap and then just react however you need to. And maybe even a buzz look where your backer's going inside, keep your, or excuse me, your safety's going inside and keep your backer outside to play force flat. Um, now you got some different things that, that you're giving them different looks. And again, you're still dictating where you want the ball to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is pistol teams, uh, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to everything. And I think with the pistol, mm-hmm the advantages you don't know which side it's going to. So, you know, it's funny that the, the uh, we call it pinch double smoke. That's a, that's a blitz that like was a two back blitz. And I took it out actually for you. I mean, we, we had it, but I barely ran it. And I've started playing some more pistol teams and some teams that even in the gun, they like to pull guards and, and stuff. And, but they'll run it where, you know, they'll run away from the back and so they'll pull so they'll they'll pull the guard and the tackle to the side of the back and it'll go across with the guard or the tackle or both. Or they'll do it where they bring the pullers away from the back. So it looks like it's like counter. But the back is actually he's coming back to the side. He he starts to go to one side and then comes the other like a true counter. And the great thing about the pinch double smoke or whatever you want to call it, uh, is it's it's like the old Ron Pompeels, uh, one of the, you remember those rotisserie chickens 
things that he had and his 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 oh, uh yeah. his catchphrase was set it and forget it and that's forget. Yeah, that's us set it and forget it mirror the blitz it doesn't matter where the three of the one is if you're i mean it, i guess it does but if you don't know where they're going put the three to the side you think they're going to run to if you can't tell it do it like i said do it out of ones twos double threes you can go double threes pinch the threes pinch the fives and go my one coaching point though is tell those ends because whether they're down blocking or they're pulling, they're not going out. So don't try and cross their face. Try to cross face with the yeah. D tackles, but come off the butt of the end. Because if you, if or, or the tackle, I'm sorry, if you get those ends trying to get across the tackle and they get caught in that wash, you lose the effect of having two off the edge. The other thing you could do but, if you want to get crazy is if you could tell the edge blitzer that if I start to blitz, well, no, because he'll read it. If I start to blitz, and this is if you got a good one, you could do this if it's just a guard pull. If the guard and the tackle pull come off the edge to play the quarterback, but if it's just a guard pulling and you're the edge guy and the tackle does not pull, you could read out and start folding back over the top because it's not a read then. He's got to hand it off. I mean, unless they're running midline or something. So anyway, that's advanced level stuff. No, I, and I like I like your coaching point there and you know sit and squeeze is what we call it i mean if, if you're not going to squeeze with your defensive ends you're going to get caught up in the wash so you know a lot of times we teach so a lot of cross face and that's what <clears throat> is popular out of the even front is, is cross face but you can cross yourself into a wash if you're not if you're not careful especially with any kind of yeah. stuff so i agree man i uh I, I like that counter look i think you know with lincoln riley and what he's done it's been probably more prominent in the last couple of years uh, because of the success without, that, that they've had there in Oklahoma. But, um, you know, shoot, man, I wouldn't be afraid to get my safeties involved. Like I said, run a buzz concept or, or even a sky concept and get those dudes down there as well. And then that way, you know, if you do get washed, somebody's added to the box and just make sure they're not RPO and, you know, cause they, you know, you're going to be a little, little loose on the back end. Right. Yeah. We have a, uh, we have a way that we play things where we have a call where we tell the end you have to get the B gap no matter what. And then we have a call that we'll, we'll play face tail reads. So if, if he goes down, you come off his butt. If he comes out at you, you cross face. And there are some examples of some plays, you know, like triple, some triple option stuff where you got to be careful with those teams that step down and then turn out on you. Where if you're blitzing, then you really got to dig across face. But those are, I mean, because it used to be a three-man surface. You come off the hip of the tackle, and then obviously versus a two-man surface, you're you're going to do kind of the same thing. But we have those. Some people, when they see our defense and they see all the stuff we have, they go, why do you need two different variations of how you rip into the B-gap? And it's like, well, again, we're not going to use. We use the one where we let you come off your butt more often, but there's a place for all this stuff. And so... Our kids know what it is, and we may not run it for twelve weeks, but when we re- reintroduce it, reintroduce it rather, they're not going to be like, "What's that?" I mean, they might—they're going to need a refresher, but it's not going to be like it's the first time it ever happened. Anyway, moving on. So I think this question is addressed specifically to me because of the way it's phrased. But I'm going to, in the in the in the spirit of the show, I'm going to kind of rephrase it and let you take this one first, unless it's like a. A TCU, like there's been a couple questions where it's like Vass in your TCU defense and the guy I'm playing with runs a three or the guy I'm talking with is running a three, four. But okay. so this question is, it's kind of, it's not loaded, but it's, it's, it's phrased. So I'm going to, I'm going to change how it's phrased. So this is from Jamel bird. Great dude, head coach and linebackers coach. 
at uh, Hopewell High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. His uh, Twitter handle is at CoachBird underscore B-Y-R-D, though. Not B-I-R-D, B-Y-R-D. Two, two questions. One, Adam, do you self-scout your defense during the season? And if so, what things are you looking for? We'll do it in parts. You can take that one first. Absolutely. That's a great question, Coach Bird. I, I think it's a, it's a necessity, man. It, you know, if you're not self-scouting, then what adjustments are you making? It might, it, that's that's for me. That's me asking myself that question. And so right. some of the things I'm looking for right off the bat, honestly, in season, I and, and this is kind of funny, I, I don't know Coach Tony Dungy <laughs> personally, but I feel like I do because he and I are on the same page when he talks about stuff. One of the things I heard Coach Dungy, Dungy say one time it's been two or three years ago yeah I can't remember if it was on uh you know Sunday night football or if it was on Twitter I don't know but um you know they'll scout the fundamentals I mean go back to the very bare bones of what you do and why you do it and then see if you're doing those things correctly and so one of the things that I do um is is self-scout communication I'll self-scout uh identification so you know, form rec. Are we are we identifying formations the way we need to on the field? I'm always echoing, you know, the calls, particularly with coverage and, and that type of thing. But I want my kids to understand why we're in what we're in. And then, you know, finally, the last thing would be just recognition. You know, we tell kids all the time, we're going to coach you two steps and then you fly around and make, make plays. And so if right. I can scout out, you know, self-scout those three things, then I'm usually able to pinpoint what's going on um, you know, and then obviously it's not going to be extremely in depth just because of lack of time. Um, but at the same time, if we're really struggling with certain things and, and I need to pinpoint those, I'm not afraid to, you know, put in the extra work or, um, you know, spend a little bit more time on, on whatever that specific thing is. But I would say those three things would be the first thing that I'm going to look at when I'm self-scouting. And then again, I think it's a necessity. If you're not doing it, you know, there's always adjustments to be made. I mean, I think we're playing pretty good football right now on the back end um at steel and you know we're, we're giving up about 145 yards a, a game i don't know exactly what it is but um in the air and you know in texas that's pretty good i mean with all the spread offenses that we see and we've seen two really good ones um at the same time i'm still looking at you know are our guys communicating are our guys aligning properly and then are our guys you know executing their role in whatever coverage we're in so I, I hope that's not too watered down of an answer, but I think that, again, the fundamentals is something that I'm going to self-scout in season more than anything. Right. Uh, this is going to be a controversial answer. Answer's no, and here's why. One, you mentioned it, time. There's mm-hmm. a lot of economic decision-making going on during the season and what you have time for. I've cut it. I barely, we don't even have a scouting report anymore because – what ended up happening was I would spend a bunch of time getting all these percentages together and it didn't matter at the end of the day because we were so different than everybody else. People did different things. And it, it only made me angry. Like the three kids would, that would read it would really read it. And I just and it was just time it was time consuming. Um, but back to the question, the answer is no. And here and here's really why. Besides the time, we're so different week to week. I mean, we're going to be in some sort of too high split safety coverage, but we can be in quarters, palms, halves, or trap coverage. We play, the only thing we really don't play, and this actually goes in the next question, the only thing we don't really play a lot of is cover three, but we have variations of it. Um, it'll be, this will be out after, but 
you know, the team that we're playing this coming week is going to be in some two by two snug stuff where they're real tight and we're, we're going to play cover three to it, which is usually not our check. But we are so different week to week that there's really no point because we start from scratch because of our language system. And I've talked about it before, but we don't, I mean, like if you see us, I mean, we, a lot of times we'll run a blitz in a week and then that's it for the year. And so, I mean, yeah, there's some, there's probably some tendencies. Oh, he likes to blitz after first and 10 and he gets a stop or whatever, but I don't want to outsmart myself. I don't want to not do something because I'm afraid it gets into that whole, that scene. That's one of my favorite football scenes is in the water boy. When, uh, coach, uh, what's his name? He says, we're going to fake it. No, we're going to think about faking it. That's the type of stuff (laughs) I don't want to get into where I'm like, Oh, this blitz is really cool, but they're going to know we're going to blitz because like, and it's a gut feeling like, and I'll also do things in two and three week series. So there was a game earlier in the year that I thought we would, we would handle pretty well. And so on third down, I didn't even tell anybody this, but we, we brought the house a lot knowing that the next week we were not going to, we were going to bluff it. So I'm going to set it up. Like I'm thinking ahead or I'm thinking, you know, I'm usually kind of in my head, like the next couple of weeks, just, just in general, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I'll kind of map it out like that, but I don't look at like percentages and because I'm going to make the call. That's the best for that moment in that situation. And I don't want to be in a situation because then I'll really kick myself if I'm like, we should do this. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. They're going to expect that. And then I would have had a great call if I would not outsmart myself. Okay. Oh, the I, second I, part of, or go ahead, coach. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Man. I, no, I no, like no. It. I was done. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I like what you just said. And, and I think, I think there is an answer and you know, my answer was a definite yes. Your answer was a definite no. There may be a gray area here. You Absolutely. Know, and, and a lot of it depends on location. I mean, you know, Coach Bird's out in North Carolina. You're in California. I'm in Texas. Time is time is time. However, yeah. time spent is different. Well, at the end of the day, you know, what you're saying is you're self-scout before, just like your scouting report or whatever that you've also scratched, um, was so time-consuming yet not utilized, right? So – what am I self-scouting? I'm self-scouting basically the basics of the basics of the basics. So we're all going to spend time watching film. For instance, right. we practice on Wednesday morning. So we get the guys up there at school. Um, and, again, I'm talking from Texas here, so we have to teach at school. So all of us on staff, all 12 coaches are on on campus for obvious reasons because they're about to go to class here and, you know, at 8 o'clock. Well, we start at 6.30. We go from, you know, do a 16-period or roughly 14 to 16-period practice um, send them to coach, show them, I don't know, you know, come up with a cut up of 30, 40 plays of, you know, explosive plays or whatever you want to call it from the, the upcoming opponent. But I think there's so much more to teach in that time. So I, it's a must for me to self scout. I think you, you hit it on the head. I don't think there's any reason for us to get into the nitty gritty and, and all the things that we could self scout at this point. But at the same time, like what I'm saying is, Hey, you know, we've got to do some things to, to be able to correct them. And like you said, the three guys that are going to read it. See, I get to do scouting report in front of my guys too, you know. And so right. if, you have, if you have that luxury, um, you know, again, just prioritize, man. I think that at the end of the day when you prioritize and, and you feel like you can get things done through scout, self-scouting, by all means. If it's a, you know, a waste of time, as you mentioned, why do it? I, I think that right. you're going to pull your hair out. 
you know, so I didn't mean to well, off there. But I think no, no, no. And I took I took self scouting to mean like self scouting tendencies. Like, yes, yeah, we I, we I, look at we look at what do we do in terms of like we review the game before. But I, in terms of self scout, and I, I might be misunderstanding this question, but I took it to mean like, do you scout your blitz be- tendencies? Do you scout your your coverage tendencies? And in that sentence, it's like, no, I'm going to do what I think is best for this week, regardless of what they think I'm going to do. And we do Fair so enough. much stuff, and we change. I mean, I've scripted plays where I, uh, depending on the game, I'll script like uh, we played a double wing team last week. I scripted my first six calls we play a team with a really good quarterback, I might change coverages to the first eight plays. I don't mm-hmm. care what they're going to do. I just want to throw a bunch of looks at them. So when they hit that iPad on the sideline, I know you guys don't have that, but when they hit that iPad on the sideline, they're like, okay, they're in three deep. Okay. They're in man free. Okay. They're in two man. Okay. They're in two trap. Okay. They're in quarters. Okay. They're in zero, but you know, like there ain't no tendencies, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so sure. The second part, the second question is, what are the things that make you oppose running Ripple's match? So I think that was, for me, mm-hmm. I'm just not a cover three guy. We're not good at zone dropping. Um, I have other things that I like that can answer the questions. I think to be really good at Ripley's, you have to sell out to it. And if you're going to sell out to it, you have to eliminate other things. And I just have not had the need and the comfort level. I mean, I came from Miami where they, you know, four, were playing 4-3, cover two in quarters before anybody else in college really was. I mean, at, at the, the way they were doing it with Jimmy Johnson and those guys. My mentor was a G defensive guy who hated cover three. My other mentor by association, Gary Patterson, I never worked for him, but I went to Millsaps to learn that the system from Brandon Lechtenberg who's the incarnate word? Oh, probably over by you. Yep. And, um, and, and Gary Patterson hates cover three too. And he'll do run it seven different ways, and but they won't call it cover three. And so I think being influenced by that for so long just rubbed off on me. And I just, I don't want to get rid of, I'd have to get rid of some stuff that have been bread and butter for me that I really love. So that I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just, uh, and a lot of the other things is, and I've mentioned this, I mentioned this all the time, but a defense is only as good as you know how to fix. And, 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 and secondary to that is what you can anticipate. I can study a team after 12 years of running a similar system. And I don't even need to do, a, I mean, I, I'd still do it because I'm anal, but I don't need to look at their top routes by the numbers. I Like there's a team we're going to play tomorrow. We practice their like eighth, but, eighth route more than we practice their third route because they were throwing their third route. They were throwing it. They two out of the three scout films were man free teams. We're not going to play man free tomorrow or on. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. We play tomorrow. When you hear this, it'll be two days in the past. We're not playing man free. So I'm not going to practice that route. If they throw that route into what we are going to run, it's going to be a pick or a knockdown. But one of the routes that they ran as like their eighth route is going to will, will hurt us. Yeah. So I can anticipate that. I don't, I would not be as good in anticipating it. Something that I'm not used to doing. So, which I don't know how you feel about Ripley's if you've ever done it or if you, if you do like it or whatever, but just, you know, you can give me, just give me your thoughts. Yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I'm not like, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not a spokesperson by any stretch, but I, I, I do like it. We do it. 
uh, more to three by one than anything. Um, I like the match concept of, of Rip Liz rather than old country three is, as the Sabanites call it. Um, and, and the reason I like that is because we have the athletes to do it. I'm, I'm just, I'm more of a match guy when, whether you're talking zone or, or man, I just think it's, a, you know, it's better to pass off uh, in that area. But again, it's more three by one for us. We've toyed with it here and there with some two back twins or even two by two on, on certain occasions. Um, but I would rather, if we're going to go a, a, a ripple look, I would almost rather just go man free, go cover one and, and make it look like three and then bail your corners quite a bit and work your, your outside backers or your nickels out to the flats. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think, you know, know what you know, do what you do, do it really, really well. And then, um, make sure that, you know, in, in your scouting report or, you know, just when you're watching, watching film that whatever's going to hurt your coverage the most is what you're, you're practicing. And, you know, if, if Rip Liz is the only coverage, uh, that can cover certain things then yeah, by all means, look at it, but I don't know that. Uh, that that's the case, you know. I think you can, you can cover anything in quarters, and we're we're a high palms team. I mean, we're a lot of palms, and so you know we're we're going to play a lot more cover two two read than than we are quarters. But it looks like quarters a lot of times, and so that's what I like more than because to me, I don't know. Ripley's you can you can maybe mistake it for cover one, but what else? It's either three or one, and you know, I guess you could say it's either two or four with with palms and and, and quarters or true quarters, but. Um, there's just so many more variations of, of what we like to do with a two high look. And you mentioned that earlier, um, than just go ahead and scrolling down to a one high look. And, you know, I, I don't really have the personnel right now. Per- currently, uh, we've got some good football players on the back end, but I don't have the personnel currently to say, Hey, go play free and, and roam the entire field. I got one dude that can do it, but he's a boundary corner and the best one in literally in, in the state, maybe in the country committed Texas A&M. So I'm going to leave him where he's more comfortable over there in the boundary. So Good coaching right there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Makes me <laughs> Our next question comes from <laughs> Lucas Kleinschrott. I don't know if that's how you say it or not. From Gustavus Adolphus College in St. Peter's, Minnesota. Wow. wow. Um, uh, I think Lucas, he sent me um, a, a, a tape. I think I hope it's the same guy. I think it is Lucas. I apologize. It's been a while. I'm positive. He sent me, I was saying, Hey, can you play bracket coverage and have the deep safety play the QB? And he sent me some stuff. It's pretty cool. cool. All right. His question is when playing a wall two coverage concept with an inside backer walling, do you still have him fitted into your gap? If not, how do you either take him out of the fit or adjust the gap at all? Okay. So yeah. Uh, and also his Twitter handle. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting better at this, but still not great at coach Lucas Klein. That's, Coach Lucas K L E I N. God, I hope that's. I think that's the same dude that gave me that. I'm gonna feel like a jerk if not. So to answer your question, um, we will mess with it if we're seeing an RPO team. Okay, let me back up. So if we're not seeing an RPO team, no, we'll. I'm rephrase this. If we are not seeing an RPO team, yes, we will give him a B gap, never an A gap. We will mess with the front. So we have a way, regardless of where the back is, we will play field, put the three to the field, and two by two, three to the boundary, and three by one. So the walked-out linebacker always has the B-gap. Some guys pirate the front or they do different things. I just would rather set it. And, again, that's how I learned it. That's that's the way I learned how to do it. So that would be my answer. 
Um, now, if they are an RPO team, I'm going to kick the front and do something with the end, or I'm not going to play it until it's a passing down. We're not a huge, I mean, I say that, but that's not true. We'll, we'll mess with the ends. We'll, we'll spike the end in the B gap. Um, if the back's away, then I don't really care because we're not going to see opposite side RPOs. We don't yet. Um, unless it's a pre-snap gift or whatever it's called. I don't know what these offensive guys call it now. If the back is to the guy who's got the B gap and the wall, then we will mess with the front. Uh, I hate to be vague. I'm usually not vague at all. But some of the stuff that we do is a little different, and it's it's kind of new to us. So I'm going to stay away from exactly how we do it. If I know I, I'm usually pretty open book, so please don't give me crap about it. But we will do various things to take away that B gap, whether it's two gap the end of the back, spike him and twist, a retwist, do different things. If he, if the back is to him, but if they don't run RPOs or he's away from the back, I don't really care. Uh, I don't know, Coach, if you, if you do any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you mind re rereading that question? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure the I question know. was, when playing a wall to coverage right. with an inside backer walling, do you have him still fit an interior gap? If not, how do you either take him out of the fit or adjust his gap at all? If so, yeah. how? Example, 10 personnel, two by two. Will has the A gap inside A or B, but also has the wall to vertical. Yeah, he's man, uh, the conflict player, right? That's the tough one, I think. You know, with your inside backers, if if, if they're, we're getting a lot of, uh, we're getting a lot of that just because you know we we've got some alignment rules, and again, I'm telling you, I don't want to give a lot of this away. We've got some alignment rules that might change up what he's going to be doing, whether he's going to wall exclusively or go ahead and fit. Um, you know, most of the time, if if he's getting any type of mesh presentation, um, you know, it's it's stop the run first. We've got to stop the run. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll mess with the back end and run some heavier quarters or even go man if we have to, uh, just to alleviate the pressure off of the inside backer. But, um, you know, basically it's going to be based on tendencies. You know, down and distance will be a big deal there uh, with us. And kind of like you were saying, based on the back alignment and whether or not they're a heavy RPO team, um, you know, that'll vary week to week or even series to series, just depending on how well we've defended it up to that point. Um, we won't mess with the front much. Uh, when I say the front, the down alignment, I mean. So it's it's going to be a, a fluctuation of what the inside backers are doing, maybe even heating them up from, from an outside backer position or even just going to a different front altogether. Um, that way we don't have that one guy in conflict. If, if you know, if we're in a three, four, then we've got at least two dudes and one can maybe spy while the other, uh, either attacks or walls, whatever, you know? And so now we've got a low hole player and we don't have to mess with, um, doing anything outrageously crazy that we're not used to doing. So. Right. I hear you. No, that's, I mean, we do play a good amount of that. It's just, we, we try to pick our spots with down and distance and, uh, and, and 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 we will mess with the front, but again, if that guy is away from the back, then we're not worried about RPO. And if or if they don't run RPOs, like we saw some teams, they don't run RPOs. Like to, the team tomorrow we play, he's gonna he's gonna hand it off it. So we changed how we played our overhangs because 
we don't have to account for the quarterback. I mean, you do if he does decide to pull it, but they don't do it. So, sure. Our next question is: I'll, I'll give you this one first from my man Dan Casey. Uh, Dan oh. is awesome. He is the best. He's always posting top stuff online. Um, great, great guy, but just great content as well. So I appreciate you. Uh, Dan's question is: What are your thoughts? Or oh, I almost did it again. So Dan, let me let me give Dan's from St. David School in Raleigh, North Carolina. Damn, we got two North Carolina boys. Sorry. His Twitter handle is also at Coach Dan Casey. You want to follow him? He's great. Uh, his question is: What are your thoughts on playing a wide front? He's saying he's calling that nose and tackling three techniques with a Mike A gap run through. <laughs> My man Dan Casey. So uh, a little backstory with with Coach Casey. He and I met in Orlando this past February at the USA. My hometown. Ah, uh, there you go, man. USA convention, and, and uh, we hung out literally all weekend and, and dreamt in color. So. Uh, we're, he's talking right up my alley, and he probably—that's probably the reason he submitted this question. Um, we spent some time doing chalk talk and texting each other about this very thing. So you know where I feel about it, Coach. I I love it, man. I think we were talking about um, bass, just so you know, like a tight front look, backing up your nose, and maybe you know we talk about the hybrid player and how important it's been in the rover position over the last two to three years with the RPOs and. You know, is that guy more of a backer type? Is he more of a safety type? You know, he's got to be able to do, you know, all things. And, you know, I think about, again, going back to Oklahoma, we had a, a young man who played with his hand in dirt for us and was an edge rusher. It was really good, just stupid quick off the edge. Ended up going to Oklahoma, uh, decommitted from another school for one sole purpose because they had Eric Stryker at the time. And, and the guy that was recruiting there, he's now at, at Stanford, as a matter of fact, Dyron Reynolds came in and he said, Hey man, you see this guy right here. This is you. So as Dan and I were talking, I, you know, he brought it up. And, and, and so we started dreaming in color and what about using a hybrid on the interior, you know, and, and taking away a true nose and just freaking running him through one of the two a gaps every time. And maybe even stack another mic behind him, you know, offset, whatever you want to do, make it look as crazy or as, as conventional as you i mean it ain't conventional because you're playing double threes without a nose who does that um but then having having maybe double a gap run throughs with those two dudes literally every time and then you've got two other outside backers that are basically playing spy for for all practical purposes um and we i mean just drawing it up there's some dirty dirty stuff it's way out in left field um but Coach Casey, you know I'm on board with it, and and I'd like to know your thoughts on it, Bass, if you can picture it. I know it's oh no, we've done, it. and I've got some good stories for you on it. So, yeah. my mentor taught it to me. He told me to um, taught me to do it out of two threes with a linebacker, or play bear and back the nose off the ball. So, my mentor's name is Keith Burns. He was a Rules Lord finalist '98 as a defensive coordinator at the University of Arkansas. He's now at UTSA. But when they played, they played Brady in the in the Citrus Bowl. Fun fact was actually at the game. Um, nice. And this guy would be like a second father to me. I'd meet him almost 20 years later. Um, but, um, or I guess it'd be 10 years later. But so what What he did was when they were playing Michigan, they had six weeks to game plan him. And that's when they had Jansen and Hutchinson. He goes, I got Brady. He goes, I knew we were in trouble when they had like 30 something guys with triple XLs and we only had with jackets. They had the jackets for the, for the game. 
(laughs) And so they had 30 some triple X and we had two. But they had Brady handing the ball off to A-Train behind Jansen and Hutchinson. And when he got bored of that, he threw the ball to Ty Streets or whatever the guy's name was. So he said they were the only team that year to scheme up their bear package. And so what he did was is he backed the nose off two yards. And you can do the same thing with the mic. They ended up doing it. They called it 33 macho and 33 wedge. So if it was wedge, the will was up and the mic was behind. If it was macho, the mic was up and the will was behind. And he was doing this in the early 90s at USC. And mm. what they what they did was is they got him t- so they could get the nose over the top. Yep. We actually played a team that hadn't lost in semi-pro in three years. Um, amazing team, the Pacific Islanders. And they were running counter. This is 20, 2009, 2010. And so they were running 10-personnel counter OT. And so what we did was is we backed up the mic. And by backing them up a yard or two, some teams won't consider that a bear, and so they won't block everybody back. Oh, God. So, lo and behold, the first snap of the second half, uh, our guy was at two yards with the backer stacked behind him. I told him to go opposite because they were a gap team. So I said, just blitz opposite the center. So yep. the center blocked back. They doubled the three play side. He ran right out the center's hip and almost intercepted the handoff, forced a fumble that changed the tide of the game. So... To answer your question, yes, we we I do like that stuff. We have done it before. Um, I really like it on third downs. Um, we've done it. Well, here's here's one for you. If you run, if you run um, a gap package, so if you run the up package or double a gap blitzes, you can call wedge or macho or tower or whatever you want to call it, and you can run all your a gap pressures with them stacked instead. So we messed around with it in camp where we lined up in twos. I think we lined up in twos with the mic over the center and the wheel stacked behind him. And we looped the twos and the threes, brought the mic in one a brought the wheel in the other and did all that stuff. And they just hit their normal gaps. They just do it from a stacked position. So yes. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, that's, it's a great pattern. There's tons of stuff you could do now. I will say this. One of the things that we've done this year, we started it last year, is without stacking them, if it's third down and we're in four down, we're going to be in double threes or double whatever you want to call them. They're in the gap. Double fives and the mic over the center. Now, if the team releases the back a lot or something, we'll, we won't, we'll be a little afraid. To, not afraid, but we'll be a little hesitant to do it. Or we can make a call where we can blitz the mic and have the end take the back. But that's so we can get a five zero look. We can check them into man protection, and and now we can we can get whatever we want. So those are kind of two different answers for you. Yeah, no, that's good, man. I I, I have not. I'd like to see some of that on film. You're going to hook me up with. Uh, oh man, I had spent it's it's. I wouldn't even know it was a semi pro game years ago. I can. I mean, I can draw it for you and exactly how we did it. But yeah, the no, key though was to step the mic off to try to get the team. Now, anybody that listens to this is like, well, we're still going to treat it like a bear. But you know how some people are. Like, I remember I saw, I, I was listening to Sirius uh, XM radio, which in, in the interest of full disclosure, I am a stockholder. You know, I I, I, I like to be transparent for the people. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Greg Robinson was on there when he had some, I think he had taken a year off in 2012. And I actually recorded on my phone. I think I still had it. And he was talking about trends in the NFL. And this is when teams were first doing this. They were lining up in the under, but they were they were playing uh uh they were playing the five technique in a four eye. 
So you had a three instead of a zero three or three zero three. It was three shade four I. And Greg Robinson was saying it was because teams weren't checking their bear checks. And so you got the same effect of the bear without being in the bear. And that's the same theory here is if you walk the backer yep. off, people may not treat it as the bear and you can get run throughs and do some of those things. Anyway. Yeah. I don't want to get off topic because I, I gotta, I'm pl- we're playing tomorrow night. Usually I do this and you know, we've got, we're on a short week, so I gotta, I, it's not going to be our, I mean, was a sleep Calhoun and I were on for like two hours and 45 minutes last weekend. It's already late. So I'm going to keep moving yeah. on. Yeah, Next question. Jake Henderson coach. I've been consuming everything you've been putting out since the Glazier webinars. Love it. Thank you. Love the podcast. Two part question. After all the off season talk and research, I'm just wondering how's your mint package going? Do you feel like OCs are starting to have better answers for it? So I'll take that one first. Yep. The answer is I don't know because, and also Jake, to keep doing this and we keep messing it up jake's twitter handle is at coach underscore j hendo and he coaches at aquinas aquinas high school in san bernardino california again his twitter handle is um, at coach underscore j h e n d o so the answer is i don't know um for the second year in a row i actually spent a lot of time on the mint package this year and we have barely seen the 11 personnel or 12 personnel. I'm not a huge fan of it versus 10. And if we do do it, we will do it with three down linemen. And instead of having a, instead of having a Jack, we will have a, 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 a 60 B kind of like how Texas plays it, which I prefer. I didn't know they played it like that until recently, but I've always preferred that. So I'll let you know when we see more 11, we see 10 or we've seen like 20 or 21. And we saw a double wing team last week. So we haven't done a lot of it. Um, do you guys running mint? We don't. No. Uh, it's usually just straight bear when we go <clears throat> and when we go into that look. Hey, I mean, we'll we'll toy with it a little bit, run some some four eyes, you know, your four eyes, but um, but not not like you'd see with Aranda and those guys running it. No. Right. All right. His second question was, what columns, if any? Um, on huddle, do you delegate to other coaches and which ones do you make sure to do personally? This is actually a great question because sometimes I feel like yeah. I'm spending more time inputting data than I actually do watching film. So our que- our answers are probably going to be a little bit different because uh, you're the DB coach and I'm the coordinator. And I don't know how much say you have in the game plan or anything like that, but I this is especially for me being because I'm the corners coach, but I'm also the defensive coach. I, I take pride in the fattest corners coach in America. Nobody take that title from me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, um, uh, so this is this is tough. This is great. If anybody else has any good answers on this, at me. So I do formation. I, I let go of personnel finally, completely. I have a great personnel guy, Justin Nast, in the booth on Friday nights tomorrow, Thursday night. Unfortunately, boo for that. But uh, he does great. So I will let him do it and kind of take it from there, kind of shape it after, which is, I don't know if that's unfair to him. I should probably look at it before, but he usually gets a jump ahead of me. So I kind of let him do his thing. And I said, listen, you can call it crayon colors. As long as you call the same thing, the same thing, I don't care what you call it. We can change it. But I do formation, motion, play are the, is the, are the biggest ones because I'll make stuff up with how we call it. Like I can't have another coach coming up with formation names. You know what I mean? Like as the coordinator, I think you have to do yeah. that. Yeah. 
Um, and then I do a lot of organizational stuff and I've talked about this in past pods. I don't want to get into it all again, but I have, uh, columns that are used to crystallize formation. So we have formation shell, which is if you're in two by two, we'll call it double twins. It doesn't matter if it's gun, weak, gun, strong pistol under center to make a hit chart. I'll do alt personnel. So I'll, I'll do the personnel where if they line up in their natural spot, if they were to line up in their natural spot. But routes, depth, and all that stuff, I kind of, I think for you, everybody's different. Everybody wants to know different information. My advice to you is, because I learned through my hands, Mm -hmm. I want to do columns that are either really important to me or really important to me that I need to know as I'm going through. I can have a report from a guy saying, hey, this is their top routes. But the play names and stuff, the basics, the the, uh, formation play name, concept, you know, those are what I would say to do um, that you got to do in anything that if you're the coordinator, which it says you're the linebackers coach and DB coach, or I'm sorry, linebackers coach and DC, you're going to want to do things that are overall. So I, I let somebody else do down and distance. If you don't have huddle assist, uh, I let somebody else do the pass protections, you know, the gain loss the stuff that, Either anybody can do that you don't need to know as you're tagging, like I, that you don't learn through your hands, so to speak. I would delegate that stuff. And I totally, I put myself on a four. You know, usually we've been breaking down three films. This next week, we're going to do four because we have an extra day. And because the game that would have been the cutoff game the week before, they played in a, in a, in a, in a real hard fought battle versus a good team with similar coverages to us. So I let it go, but I was doing nine and 10 game break game breakdowns. I shrunk it to four because I got so enamored with what they were doing. I forgot to come up with a great game plan. So we kind of <laughs> flipped that. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. Bass. I think uh, the only thing I would add would be, you know, formation uh, would be one of the things play is, is something I think as a DC, you've got to do you've got to call the play because like you said, with terminology and just, and even picking up tendencies, I think it's good as you're typing that in and inputting all that, you kind of figure out what they like to do on certain deals, but down in distance, um, you know, gain a lot, all that stuff, you know, anybody can count, you can do that. So that's what we really try to do. And then formation, as long as it's consistent. So what we really try to do, uh, we don't have one set person necessarily. We may, we may take a game, so to speak, and, and do formation by game. Um, but as long as it's consistent by that game. So if they're, uh, you know, running an, a lot of H stuff, um, you know, if you get an, an H look, uh, is he inside the tackles? Is he outside the tackles? Is he Y off, so to speak? If he's Y off, then it changes the formation completely. If he's inside the tackles, it's a different formation. We we consider that more of a two-back formation than we would if he were outside the tackles and it was a Y off. Now it's just one back, you know. And so right. with that kind of stuff, as long as it's consistent with, you know, when you pull your reports and that type of thing, we really are not big sticklers on it. Uh, we do try to be careful this time of year because, if you know, if a team has done a lot of Y off stuff and we call it, you know, ABC and then, Two weeks later, have called it X, Y, Z. Well, then when we go back later, maybe in the playoffs and see, hey, how we defended that, that could be a potential problem. So we really try to keep that consistent, but at the same time, yeah. it's not it's not prioritized enough to where the DC has to do formation for us. It's usually just play because that takes the longest. You know, we'll try to try to help him out, take some of that off of him when we can. But um, right. you know, like hash and down and distance gain, all that is 
accountant or, or having a couple eyes to, to get on it. So we don't, we just try to help, help out as much as we can. One of the things I like to do as DB coaches, I have a column uh, with the pass zone. So we number our pass zones one through nine, you know, one, two, three or across or five yards and under all hitches and one routes, that type of thing. Uh, four, five, six are going to be your medium routes, your outs, digs, uh, drags, all that good stuff. And then seven, eight, nine are going to be your shots. You know, and so that's one of the things that I like doing. And then also a receiver number, just so I can pick up tendencies on who he's targeting. Cause their, their leading receiver may not be their leading targeting guy. And so that's something that I personally like. Right. Yeah. I mean, we raw data for me is useless. It used to be, I used to be really into that. For example, the team we're playing their number one play at a pistol two by two uh, is strong side zone lock. Well, if you dig a little deeper, they ran all 14 times against one team. And I'm talking about this is their top formation play combo. Like if you take the formation and the play together and you put it together and consider that one thing, it's their number one formation and play two by two pistol zone lock strong. Well, yeah, because the team that they played that they ran that versus didn't defend it. Well, their I second play, I, I look at how many times, not only times they run it, but how many times they running it per game. Mm-hmm. Like if a team's running something 12 times th- three weeks ago and haven't touched it, I might not touch on that or just a little bit, especially if that team's running, they were in three, two man free. Sure. So they were playing an odd front blitzing a guy from the field and playing man free. We don't do that's That's not anything. I mean, we, we have it in our package, but that's not our defense. Right. So I'm not going to practice that. Um, I, with the formations I've had coaches. Cause again, we have huddle assists. So we do the formation in the back set and I kind of combine it, but you know, the team that we played this week, they are two by two, three by one empty. And then two by two snug, they're tight. And then stacks. That's it. So, but if we're playing something where, you know, if, especially if the team varies their position in their H or their Y or whatever you want to call it, if you're a Y off team, are they a wing? Are they a slot? Are they a the sniffer? Like I, I will do that stuff. Or if you get an exotic wing T team, because our guys wouldn't even know what to call it, you know, stuff that we haven't seen like that before. So anyway, moving on. Okay. So this next question is uh, from Casey Carnine. He's the Monday morning defensive coordinator. He's a great dude. He's a writer. He's been super supportive of everything. Oh, cool. He's just a fan. Uh, He may have coached before. I don't know if Casey coached before. And this question is kind of open-ended, so I'll be open-ended with my answer. Uh, His Twitter handle is at K-C-C-A-R-N-I-N-E. So Casey Carr and then the number nine. It's spelled out, but, but it's the number nine is the word. Uh, his question is, how do you defend teams that shift in motion? So he uses some example, tight end wing trade, empty to pro field, to boundary jet motion, et cetera. So I'll take this from a global level. Sure. I'm going to say what I usually say with open-ended stuff, which is it depends, it depends what they do. Um, it's, it depends. Uh, what are they trying to accomplish? So, you know, if they're trading the tight end wing, we're going to slide the front, change the coverage. Um, you know, if they're doing it to run counters and stuff, then we may we may line up. It depends how fast it is. If that if that Y is trading and then they're setting and then they're motioning it back again. Last week when they they traded, um, they flipped. A, a, or sorry, not last week. A couple it's actually a couple years ago. I was thinking of something else, but 
a couple years ago, we played a team that when they traded a tight end, we flipped our entire front four because we had a we had a stud at the end who's going to play probably in the NFL. And then our other guy was the pass rush guy. So they traded or we just set the front left and right. We tried to figure out where they were going to end up. Um, and jet motion does not bother me because, well, I say that and we're probably going to get jet to death for 300 yards this weekend. So be careful. I don't want to piss off the football gods, but to me, we're in an eight man front or four, two, whatever you want. The old eight man front, four, two, five, four, four, whatever you want to call it. We have overhangs to both sides. If you have two backs, usually people don't like to run jet sweep versus us. They like to run jet. They like to run jet and run inside, but we play jet like triple option. So the perimeter guys play the perimeter. The inside guys play the inside. We have guys in positions to make plays. We, we tell our kids because they get freaked out the first time they see jet motion. What do they end up in? So if they're in two by two and they motion the, bat, the slot guy to the field, I just tell them, where would you line up if you lined up there? And I think if you, if you tell your kids that, it helps out and it helps them get, okay, it was just two backs now. Well, where would I line up in two backs? But I, I, I can't give you a definitive answer, answer Casey, because I have, I have, I mean, I, the, the formation that pops in my head is we saw a team that lined up twins in the boundary and then tight end Z to the field with one back. Well, we saw a team that they would get in that and they would jet motion and they would run fly sweep. We played it one way. We saw a team that would do that, but they also would leave the twins in the boundary. And if you didn't walk out, they'd throw quick game. So we adjusted differently. We played a team that wanted you to suck into the boundary and they motion, they slow motion the guy to field to get back to tray or trips or whatever you want to call it to throw the ball to the field. Three different, three different uh, outcomes, but the same formation. Motion's a little different, but it's still going from one thing to another. We had three different planes of attack. So that's the first question is what are they going to end up in? And then and usually it's the path of least resistance. Like if they're a two back fly team, I like flipping the corner. Just have the corner run with it. One guy moves. We move one. They move, they move one. We one move one. So I can't talk tonight. I'm tongue tied. So that's my kind of overall theory on that. I don't know how you feel about that. I, I agree, man. You know, I get Anytime jumps, motions, trades, you know, is it smoke and mirrors or is there, are they doing a south plan? Thank you. And I think it's numbers for numbers. You know, if they move one, we move one, like you said. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, if we move maybe one plus, so if we can move two, and honestly, we're on, we're, we're now playing that smoke and mirrors game. So, and usually that's going to be safeties for us. Um, just because of what we like to do when we see motions. But I think a lot of times, you know, is it field to boundary? Is it, uh, you know, where are they going to end up, as you mentioned? But but what are they doing it for? Is it smoke and mirrors? Or is it really to truly outflank you? And then, you know, that's just a lot of film study. And then also, you know, maybe getting a, a series or two in and getting a feel for what they're trying to do and then making sure you're not outflanked. Um, you know, if they move one, you better move one in. But if you can move to and maybe confuse them a little bit, sometimes we, we can get an edge with that. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a, had a team that we were reading them like a book. And, you know, I had three DBs um, at the time who were all going to Big 12 schools. Actually, they're all at Big 12 schools. The fourth is at SMU. So we had pretty good, pretty good secondary. Uh, but what we would do then is, is we would move actually all four of them and, and we're a heavy press team. So sometimes we would just work from press to catch. Um, and, you know, with the high,
high school quarterback, there's plenty to think about, much less what the crap are all four of them moving. I just motion one guy, you know, and it's just have a little fun with it and have a good time with it. When you do that, you know, maybe you can catch them off guard rather than them trying to catch you off guard with their trades and jumps and motions. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on to the next question that we have, we got a couple left and then I'm going to do a new segment this week called, I don't know. I just made that up where <laughs> there's some questions here that it, they're based out of a defense that you don't run and I don't run. So I'm going to leave it up to Twitter because I don't want to ignore people, but I'm not sure. going to sit here. Listen, I'm going to tell you this one thing. I'll make a deal with you. The audience, I'll always be honest. And even if, and if sometimes that is, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and give you some convoluted answer because I want to sound like some sort of expert. And then you go out and you do it and you get your ass kicked. And then you're tweeting me. I'd rather you be like, oh, Vass doesn't know what he's talking about based on a defense that you don't know and don't run rather than sitting here and give you some crazy answer. And you're like, yeah, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> so uh, before we get into that, uh, I'm going to need to come up with a new name for that segment. I just made that up right now. But before we get into that, I got a couple left. What's wrong got, with that, man? I love it. I don't know. That I don't know. The segment of the show where I tell you I'm an <laughs> asshole. All right. So my, my I got two questions that I don't knows that I'm going to throw out to the audience. Okay. The first one is, and I don't. Okay. So in the interest of full disclosure, I don't run this defense, but I have some ideas based on things that I've looked at in the past and things that I would do. So Anthony Gonzalez, who's the head coach and defensive coordinator at Alvarez, Everett Alvarez and Salinas. I used to substitute teach there. It's a place close to my heart. Although uh, Anthony and I figured out that they closed my favorite taqueria. So I'm a little sad. Uh, Anthony's Twitter handles at AV as in Victor Gonzalez, eight, three, one rep in the eight, three, one area code. All right, so his question is, how would you handle double tight end full T or power T based out of the 3-4? Big, strong O-line and backs. Misdirection is insane. Trap, sweet, power mixed with play action seems to be their top four plays. If you have any advice or thoughts on this, uh, you can go first, Adam. If not, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would yeah, man, that's, that's, a, that's a beast if they're big, kind of like this. 3x thing earlier we're talking about michigan and playing those guys but um you know if you got if you got the cat and we kind of mentioned it earlier with with coach casey's question you know play around with the linemen a little bit but um you know the conventional thing would be obviously just to get in either a a bare front or you can scroll down another safety and go an eight-man box um with you know a true nose that can get after somebody and it may be a little bit quicker um that's what i like just with that t because if you can disrupt that, especially and they're most likely going to be under center. So especially with those belly teams, if you can disrupt the a gap immediately uh, upon the snap, you know, you're, you're making them not necessarily one dimensional, but you're taking away a pretty big dimension of that type of offense by just, you know, slamming the a gap uh, with somebody that's quick and, and that is also instinctive enough to find football once he gets beyond that center. Um, if he can beat him, you know, with quickness. You know, I, that's an easy answer, and it's pretty vanilla. But that's that's really what I would try to live in. You know, uh, because again, those they can be sophisticated, but more often than not, they're they're just going to try to run belly and then try to hit you with a with an option on the outside once they establish something interiorly. You know, and if they're a veer team, 
uh, gets a little bit more tricky. But again, I think if you control the A gap again on the snap, you're, you're I wouldn't say golden, but you're on your way to at least um, forcing them to where you want them. You know, and just make sure you got some outside backers that can run in the football, and your defensive ends are doing whatever they're doing, whether you're crashing the bees or you know you're you're holding holding true and, and setting the edge with those guys, and then let your in, interior backers you know work the way they need to work. To me, it's just a controlling day. It's a simple and short answer. So I have two answers for you in overall thought and an overall thought. My overall thought first is defend what they're going to do. Don't let them trap you and freak you out and squeeze you because they're going to trap you. If you're in a 50, I don't, I mean, they're going to have to long trap your fours or your fives. I don't think it's a great play and you got a guy sitting over the ball. That's just my opinion. Now there might be some guys on here that say I'm full of crap, but that's just how I feel. Unless they're influencing you and like pulling the tackle out and trying to get your four or five to go out. Don't let them. That happened to me last week when we played the double wing team as they were running cutbacks and sweeps and we sat on it and we made them keep running it. And then we got into a double eagle front to stop it because I wasn't just going to let one or two traps freak me out and unwind my defense. So my two defenses I would play out of a three, four. As I'd always have a way to box and always have a way to spill versus any offense like this. Doesn't matter who it is or what they're doing. If I'm going to spill, I would get into uh, some sort of play with some sort of stand up nine technique, and he's going to play uh, uh, your old Sam in the under front or whatever you want to call it. If the tight end blocks out, he's going to set the edge. If the tight end blocks down, he's going to stack, and we call it stack and press and try to take two for one and make bounce the ball. I play my corner like six by three. You got the tight end on play action pass. Uh, but if that tight end blocks down, you're coming screaming straight ahead. You're playing the bounce. Turn the ball back inside. Key is getting your nine technique to get two for ones. If I wanted to box the ball, I would play a defense called Okie Dog Pinch. It's an old wishbone defense. I believe it was Eric Parsegian came up with. and We ran it versus a wishbone team. They weren't ish wishbone option. They were wishbone like power T. They lined up in the wishbone, but it was down, down kick. Um, and how that works is you get a zero, fours, sixes, and nines. You got two 30 backers and two guys in C7s. The whole, the whole thing with the power T is they're not going to get all three backs out in the route. So you got two backers for three backs. You take the first back to you, second back away. The corners and the C7s got the tight end. And, and the, the zeros playing the A-gaps. Your fours pinch to the threes. Your six pinches, your six guys head up on the tight end are going to pinch to the C gap. And your guys off the edge are going to come in, come off the edge and box the ball back inside. And it just clogs everything up. Now you can play games with a guy away. If everything goes away from him, he can fold back and do other things, but it is a violent defense. It was created to stop Bear Bryant's wishbone offense. I think it was Notre Dame. And I hate Notre Dame. And I'm sorry for anybody that listens, but I went to Miami. I have a very good reason for it. I do not like Notre Dame. So if I'm running a defense created by Notre Dame, you know it's going to be damn good. <laughs> my my friend, old Bill Mountjoy, was there, I guess, when they created it or the second year they ran it. And basically, it was supposed to be Bears' most talented team. It was like 74, 75. Wasn't that? If you can look it up on Wikipedia. So Notre Dame beats the crap out of Alabama, which is supposed to be Bears' most talented team, the best team that he had that didn't win the national championship. 
And then they played the next year and ran the same defense and beat him again. So if you Google Okie dog pinch, O-K-I-E dog pinch, you will find there's stuff out there on it. So I run that and I'd run some sort of spill. I don't know exactly how I would do it. I mean, you play zero, five and nine. Um, I'd have to look at how I would do it, but I would have a nine technique to, that would spill a five and a nine and then whatever else you want to do, you could do. If you want to be an odd front, that's how I would do it. Uh, so those are my two. Those are my two answers. Um, I got one more question and then we'll get to the I don't know section. The last question is from Joshua Kim, who coaches linebackers. There's no school listed. He's in Portland, Oregon. Um, so his question is, any tips on defending wide receiver tunnel screen on a three by one and two by two? The answer is yes. If you're <laughs> seeing it two by two, you're mostly going to see it in the boundary. Play two deep zone and press the corner. Yep. What happens is uh, the number two receiver will try and block the corner who is pressed up on the corner or pressed up on the outside receiver to take the air out of it so there's no space. The guy that's the curl player, whether you're playing match two or you're you're hard walling that guy or you're playing a zone, he sees two go out. He is going to go attack and beat the convoy out there. Yes. The key is to beat the line, get to the receiver before the lineman get to you. And then you got half safety who's looking at one and two. Two is and the other, and this is what's great about this, because you're solving a problem with another with something else. Instead of attacking directly. You're thinking of it kind of backwards in, in the process. I got a half safety or palm. You can play, I don't like palms because you got to play off to see everything in palms. I like, we call it squeeze. Two squeeze. Because you got a half safety now who's staring at one and two. Well, two, because the corner's pressed, the number two receiver has to block flat down the line of scrimmage, almost go backwards. So he's looking at a t- number two receiver who's running down the line of scrimmage and a number one receiver who's trying to run away from a corner behind the line of scrimmage. So he no longer has to play his half. So that would be my answer to two by two, three by one. If you're getting it to the trip side, if it's, I, I, I know you can run tunnel screen to three, two or one. If it's the number one, I'd play special, which is a special stubby mini. Uh, if you're not familiar with that coverage, there's a ton of materials out there. It's basically palms over two and three with a corner pressed on one. If it's an inside guy, I think of a way to play a trips coverage where you can get up in their face. One of my favorites, if you can hold up into it, is to play quarters. If it's the number two guy getting the uh, hit screen or the tunnel screen, is get um, your overhang pressed on number two, playing quarters with a backside poach safety, and press the crap out of them. Because he doesn't have any vertical responsibilities, and he's got two out to the flat. Well, if you play him outside press on number two, he can see two and three. Nothing's going to outflank him. Um, those are my answers. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know that I have anything to add to that at all. I I would just say, you know, maybe even to three by one, if they're trying to set up really any of the three, but particularly one or two in the tunnel screen and you want to run a trap concept from press. Yep. That's been kind of the same thing you're saying, just beat the convoy mentality, Mm. but uh, that's worked well for us, and so we'll we'll show a press, and then they think we're going to get hands on one, and then we'll jump to two and trap him. And if they're you know trying to get two, we're on we're in a zip pocket. If not, jumping the the route and maybe picking it one. Right. It's obviously self explanatory. You're just you're beating him to the spot. But other than that, I'm, I would play it exactly like you're saying. 
you know, I think the hardest part would be to try to uh, maybe to press a three. Um, but again, if you've got a nickel or a good outside backer that you trust that can do that, um, you know, play outside shade and just force them back to the middle to your coach yeah. safety or even another backer that's hanging out in there and you're, you're golden. Yeah. I, and I mean, really the pressing thing, like I mentioned, it has, it has two, it has two effects. One is it, 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 you get in the hip pocket so you can chase it from behind or from the side. And then two is it makes the block flatten out. It declares, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's just like playing a D end in a seven versus a nine. If you're in the seven, he's right on that tight end inside shade of the tight end. The tight end can't mess around with you. He can arc you, but he's got to block down, block out, or arc, or release for a pass. If you have a nine technique, that guy can step down and block back out. I mean, it's I, I, I'm describing it in a different way, but it's just to clean up the reads. If sure. I'm pressed, there's no other route. Like, even a wheel, a guy's not going to run that flat, so you can't mistake it for anything. So that would be my uh, approach on that. So... I have a few questions that I'm going to kind of leave up to the audience. We'll see how this goes. And if it sucks and nobody responds, um, whatever, then we won't do it anymore. (laughs) Okay. So this is what you're going to do. Um, I'm going to put the questions in in, on Saturday. If I'll, I'll try and put them up on Twitter as well and put the hashtag MDGA pod. That's hashtag MDGA pod. And answer the questions. The first one is from Josh Crouch. He's a DC uh, at St. George's in Collarville, Tennessee, God's country. His question is in his Twitter handle, and please make sure you can at me because I, I like to see the responses. So you can at me at Coach Vass or at MDGA Podcast, um, you know, and, and hashtag at MDGA Pod so I could find the questions easier too because sometimes the you know, the notifications get buried and whatnot. But I kind of want to put this out. And if I don't see it tagged by Saturday or Sunday, I'll throw the question out there and make sure that you tag uh, Coach Crouch, who's at J Crouch, at J C R O U C H. His question is defending Trey set in the 3 3 and 21, 22, 12, and 11 personnel. So, Coach, if you could. Once you hear this, if if somebody didn't start a thread, tweet the show at MDGA Podcast. Expand on that question a little bit. Uh, but I get I guess what you're what you're asking is how do you defend Trey in the three three stack, and then what do you do versus 21, 22, 12, and eleven? I am not a stack guy. I've never been a stack guy. Coach, you're a four down guy. I mean, if you got an answer, feel free to ask. But I just assume you didn't. That wasn't your wheelhouse. So I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, we're, we're toying with it some, you know, obviously with uh, the Big 12 being in our backyard and Iowa State having success with it. It's kind of become uh, a hot topic. Uh, I know that you did your uh, your pop-up clinic with, with Ty Gower. He would be a good resource. Um, in fact, he and I were texting about it some 3-3 stuff just the other day. You know, it just depends, I think, where you want to put your overhang on how you defend it. Um, you know, if you want to go two overhangs and play a good, good solid cover three, that's good uh, as well if they're a heavy run team. But really, those, I mean, that's that's the, the gist of it. Just figure out where you want one overhang if you're going to play one. If you're going to play two, you're going to have to go either three or, or uh, cover one, depending on the formation. But it, with, you know, anything um, 21 personnel, you could probably do two overhangs. Everything else, you may have to look at just one overhang and then figure out if you want to put him on the uh, – 
you know, the strong side or the weak side away from the three-man surface sometimes might be more advantageous. But if you put him to the three-man surface, you better have some type of run support on that backside. And we talked about counter earlier with any kind of, uh, you know, counter or wham look uh, where, you know, an H-back is present as well. That's something you're going to have to be careful with. Absolutely. So my second, the second question is, and this is, I'm interested in hearing the answer to this one, is from Gilbert Gonzalez. His Twitter handle is at GGonzalez61 with an S at the end. So at G-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S-6-1. Coaches at Gadsden High School in Anthony, New Mexico. His question is, this is our first season using the No Sweat Wednesday approach. At what point would you start the normal tapering of practice time? How much would you trim off a Tuesday with no sweat Wednesdays in place? I honestly have no idea. We have not done that. I have not checked into the research of it. Um, I'm one of those people. I'm a little soft sometimes when it comes to non-defensive stuff like that. I need a couple people that I trust and know to try it out first to kind of be the canary in the coal mine, so to speak. I know nothing about the besides that it's no sweat Wednesday and that you go harder on Thursday. I have no idea how that sets up. Do you do that, Coach? We do not. No. Okay, so that's yeah, thrown out to the Twitterverse. Yep. Okay, well we've said it all, uh, Coach. Thank you so much for coming on. I know it's an early in the week podcast. Like I said on Twitter today, I wasn't gonna find anybody to to pod with me on Friday night. And uh, I, I figured it. this would be the best time to do it because we play tomorrow night. I can't thank you enough. Go ahead and shout your uh, Twitter out for everybody, your Twitter account. Yeah, man, it was an honor to be on. Appreciate you having me on. My Twitter is Coach underscore Harvey, H-A-R-V-E-Y, 1-8. That's 18 as in Peyton Manning's number. I know I'm a defensive guy, but he's my dude. So Coach Harvey, uh, 18, Coach underscore Harvey, 18. Holler at me. I, I love to connect, man. He's being shy. The 18s for how many state championships he's won. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Man. I wish. By the way, totally random. Did you see Jim Camarillo? He came on. Uh, he came on the the thing for my mom, and he. I, I doubt anybody watched the whole thing. I think I talked to one person who watched the whole thing, but I I did. I, I don't know if I did it live or before, like during the pre roll when we were kind of talking before we went on. But he's like, he, I was trying to do the math. He won 10 state championships in 14 years. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like, whoa, 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 back up, my guy. So I'm going to tell. <laughs> I, I almost took my ring because I my I made it before my logo or whatever. It's the, the state championship ring I have. And I just never bothered to change it. I almost took that thing out of embarrassment after I talked to him. <laughs> anyway. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all the kind words about my mom and sending me the well wishes and everything. I appreciate your friendship. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I kind of I kind of shied away from it. I'm looking forward to the offseason because I'm looking forward. I miss you guys. Uh, I miss talking to everybody on a daily basis. And although I'm enjoying the season and I want it to go as long as possible, I know that after the, the end of the season, Blues will be cut shorter because we have our little community to go back to, and I'm excited to do that. Absolutely, man. No doubt. It's a great thing to be on uh, on Twitter and meet so many guys across the country. And, you know, you're one of those. And uh, I remember when we first connected and had our had our conversation on the phone and then what that's bloomed to. I appreciate your friendship as well. And I'll be praying for your mom, man. Appreciate that. Thanks, Coach. Absolutely.
Thank you so much for listening to the show. We certainly appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Uh, good luck to you and your game planning this weekend. We got a tough one coming up, so I'm going to be in the lab, so to speak. Grind and film until my eyes bleed. Again, you can follow the show at MDGA Podcast or my personal Twitter account at Coach Vass. If you're interested in donating to the fund for Mama Dukes to fight the evil cancer, you can do so by going to PayPal and sending it to at Coach Vass. Go to paypal.com and send it to Vass at gmail.com or through the cash app dollar sign coach Vass. thanks for listening and as always remember the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes